as it says on the screen, our Bible reading today is from Matthew chapter 1, um, verse 18 to 25, and it's found on page 783. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. Um, my name is Daniel, uh, and uh, I think most of you know I have two children, uh, Elijah and Eva. Elijah, you might hear him shouting at the back. Hi. Uh, the thing is, when a new baby is born, like I've got two children, Eva's a little baby girl, um, the thing you notice is that when a baby is born, uh, the, the thing that people care about is the baby. Uh, they want to find out how, how long and how heavy the baby is. Uh, whether the baby's healthy, uh, whether it's feeding or sleeping. Uh, when there's a new baby born, you care about the baby. The other person you might care about is the mother. Um, is she doing okay? How was the labor? Is she recovering? All that sort of stuff. You care about the baby and you care about the mother when a new baby is born. The person you care about the least or the person you care about last is the father. It makes perfect sense though, doesn't it? Dads don't walk around with a baby in them for nine months. Dads just haven't been born and introduced to the whole world with everything all new and exciting. Uh, the father doesn't have to breastfeed. He probably still sleeps throughout the night. Let's be honest. Uh, the extended family in the church care for the family. They provide the food and do the cooking and the cleaning. And what does the dad do? Let's be honest. Let's be honest. What does the dad do? He gets a couple of weeks leave for a holiday. Is that right? I say that a bit in jest, but there is some truth of, to that. Um, when, when we hear of a new birth, we don't often think about the father. We care about the mum and the baby. Dad is the one of least importance. Our passage today is a passage all about a birth. You see it in the first words of verse 18. It's kind of like a title. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. All about Jesus' birth. And so when the Bible passage was read, did you notice and did you find it strange that so much of the focus is on Joseph the father? He's the main character, I think, in our passage. He's the character who develops and changes. And by the end of the passage, Jesus is already born. And what a surprise, the focus is on Joseph. You don't hear anything about the labor. You don't hear very much about Mary. It's, it's a bit of a surprise. 
And I don't often think of Joseph when it comes to the birth of Jesus. And so I think that's a question that we need to think about as we consider this passage today. Why the fuss about Joseph? The first thing that we can notice about Joseph is that he did not want to be part of Jesus' birth. Uh, You see, Mary's pregnancy is full of scandal. Joseph knows that he hasn't done anything wrong. He hasn't played any part in the scandal. And so he wanted to get out of there quickly. Um, Let me show you from verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be pregnant. What a scandal. Pregnant. Remember, Joseph didn't know this next bit. Through the Holy Spirit. Verse 19. Because Joseph was a faithful... Uh, Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Joseph and Mary are pledged to be married to each other. Technically, their marriage, uh, their relationship is more serious than an engagement in our world, in our understanding. Um, But, uh, and, and so they were seen in their day as husband and wife. But very importantly, they weren't living together. They did not live together. She was still with her family and he was still with his family. And they're not supposed to be together at all in that way. And so it is absolutely scandalous, absolutely scandalous that Mary is pregnant. Now that's the situation. And what do we learn about Joseph? Did you hear in verse 19? Joseph was faithful to the law. Some other translations say he was righteous. Joseph is a good man. He fears the Lord. And so we know that he had nothing to do with Mary's pregnancy that shouldn't have happened. And that leads him to a dilemma, doesn't it? The law, the law that Joseph follows states, according to Deuteronomy 22, that Mary needs to be put to death. Because of her unfaithfulness, she needs to be punished. So the right thing for a law-abiding Joseph to do is to take Mary to the courts and see her face capital punishment. But Joseph is not just about filling the letter of the law. Um, That's for the Pharisees. Joseph also understood God's character. God who is gracious and compassionate. God who is slow to anger and rich in love. We see this God throughout the Old Testament over and over again. For example, in Exodus 34, when God reveals himself to Moses... Joseph understands God's character and Joseph likewise is compassionate and gracious, kind and loving. So in this difficult and scandalous situation, he resolved to do um, the gracious thing and deal with it very quietly. He resolved to quietly divorce Mary, very simply, very discreetly. All he had to do was give her a letter of divorce, check it out in Deuteronomy uh, 24, and the marriage would be over. No fuss, very simple. Joseph wouldn't have to raise a child that wasn't his. And he wouldn't have to think about Mary anymore. Done. That's the beginning of Jesus' birth, according to, uh, according to Matthew. Can you imagine the emotional roller coaster that Joseph is going through right now? He's pledged to be married. He's so excited. He's done everything right. He knows he hasn't done anything wrong. He's followed the law. Things are looking great. And what? My my fiance is pregnant. The marriage that he was waiting for is all over even before it begins. And the best option for him to do, the best option, is to just to divorce her quietly and walk away. 
Can you imagine that emotional roller coaster? It must be horrible. At this point, at this point in the narrative, we should expect not to see Joseph anymore. We should expect Joseph to have nothing else to do with Jesus' birth. So why does it matter? Why does it matter that Joseph is still involved? He hasn't done anything wrong. He's not part of the scandal. Why does he need to be present for the rest of Jesus' life? And if we think about it, in the rest of the New Testament and in the rest of the Gospels, we hardly even hear the name Joseph at all. So why, why in his birth do we need to keep following Joseph and why does he need to be involved? We're going to come back to that question because before we answer it, we need to think about whether or not Joseph is doing the right thing. Was Mary really in the wrong? How was it that Mary came back to be pregnant? How did this situation come out? Now, this answer is quite obvious, I think, um, especially if you've been around church for a while or you've, or you've grown up familiar with the Christmas story. But regardless of how obvious it is, it is vitally, vitally important that we know that Mary did not commit adultery. It is vitally important that we know that she was not unfaithful to Joseph, that we know that her pregnancy came about through the Holy Spirit. That is, Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Now, this outrageous, outrageous statement is mentioned twice in our passage at the, at the end of verse 18 and also in verse 20. Let me show you from verse 20. Uh, but after he considered this, and this is Joseph, after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. That's outrageous. Now I say it's outrageous because that is what it is. Now too often, too often, we don't reflect or think about this amazing reality, the incarnation. What is conceived from Mary is from the Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes uh, we are evangelical Christians and sometimes our type of Christianity, our flavor of Christianity gets called unspiritual, uh, that we believe in the Trinity of the Father, the Son and the Holy Bible. But what nonsense, what nonsense that is. Consider what Matthew one twenty is saying what it is saying about the Holy Spirit, what we repeat and what we declare every time we say a creed. For example, the Apostles' Creed, which you see a bit of it up on the screen, I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Similarly, in the Nicene Creed, next slide, we believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, and you keep going, who, by the power of the Holy Spirit, became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. Sometimes our flavour of Christianity gets accused of suppressing the work of the Holy Spirit. But here is one of the most, if not the most significant major work that the Holy Spirit does, the incarnation, the conception of Jesus Christ in Mary's womb. And we draw attention to this every single time we say a creed. That we can't get much more spiritual than that. We declare who Jesus is by the Spirit. We believe in the work of the Spirit. We truly believe in the Holy Spirit. Jesus, fully God and fully man. 
by the Spirit. Notice that there was no pre-existing human that was already in Mary's womb who God decided to come and adopt himself into and overtake or infuse himself into. No. The incarnation, God the Son in all his divinity, by the Spirit, takes on human flesh. He condescends and becomes a human. As we sang in the, in the song before, O Holy Night, create a becoming creation. God taking on flesh. God becoming truly human with us. It's prophesied in Isaiah 7 and repeated in our passage today. Verse 23, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. What a wonder. What an act of humble love that we so often become too immune to. You sometimes hear of a passenger on a plane wondering how they take it for granted that a 300-ton metal cylinder is, is being lifted up into kilometres into the sky and, and we take that for granted as normal. Yeah, that can cause us to wonder. But we can explain that, can't we? Engineering, forces, lift, drag, air pressure. But this... The incarnation, Christmas, we should not take that for granted. This is truly wonderful. In the truest sense of the word, full of wonder. God become flesh. Christmas is not just celebrating Jesus' birthday, another cake and some candles. Some presents on this side. At Christmas, we marvel, we wonder at God's love and his humility to take on flesh in the person of Jesus by the Spirit. This is marvelous. This is wonderful. And surely it leads us to ask, why? Why would he do it? Why do such a thing? Why bother with such a humiliating thing? Now the answer is found in verse 21. Did you notice what the name Jesus means? Jesus means the one who saves. The name Jesus means God saves. That answers our question. Why would God bother humiliating himself to become a human? Quite simply, to save humans. It's prophesied in Psalm 130, save people from their sins. Christmas, the incarnation, is the next step in God's mission to save people. And the rest of Matthew's gospel, we're just scratching the, the start of it and this, this little series, the rest of Matthew's gospel tells us about God fulfilling his promises over and over and over again to save his people in Jesus. It's amazing. Now, if that's something you haven't considered, 
that Jesus is the saviour of people from their sins, this Christmas, let me encourage you, consider it. Why don't you read the rest of Matthew's Gospel? See what it is on about. See if you indeed think he is God's saviour. Now, as we think, we, we realise uh, Jesus is God's saviour, that answers our question of why, why the incarnation would happen, why Christmas would happen. But you remember, we haven't answered our first question, have we? A question about why do we care about Joseph's involvement in Jesus' birth? Well, if we, if we think about where we've come, Joseph wanted to have nothing to do with Jesus' birth, remember? It was a scandal. Mary was pregnant. Joseph knew that he had nothing to do with it, and so he was going to divorce her quietly. But we've also seen and and realised that Mary hadn't done anything wrong either. That she hadn't been unfaithful, but rather she had conceived by the Holy Spirit. So what happens next? What happens next? An angel appears to Joseph. Hey, Joseph, Joseph, Mary hasn't done anything wrong. Chill. The baby will save people from from their sins. So Joseph, one, take on Mary as your wife, and Joseph, two, take on the child and raise him as your own. Joseph commits to his family, he marries Mary, and he takes on Jesus as his own. Let me show you from verse 20. Verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, one, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because she's innocent. What is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and two, you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save people from their sins. This is what the angel tells Joseph to do. And how does he respond? Verse 24, how does Joseph respond? When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And one, he took Mary home as his wife. Check. Two, but he did not consummate their marriage until she had given birth to the son. And sorry, number two here, he gave him the name Jesus. Check. He took on Jesus um, as his own child. That's what he's doing as he names him. He's essentially adopting Jesus, taking him into his household. Just like Adam. Remember Adam gave names to all the animals in the Garden of Eden uh, because he was responsible for them all. So Joseph, as he names Jesus, takes on Jesus into his household and becomes responsible for his upbringing. This is what Joseph does. He He marries Mary and he adopts Jesus. Now this still raises a question. How does it help us understand the significance of Joseph in Jesus' life? Why does it matter? Why did Joseph need to take Jesus in? Now I think the key to this is in verse 20. Did you notice how Joseph was addressed by the angel in verse 20? Joseph. Son of David. Do you remember the context of our passage? Last week, Bryn helped us uh, think through the genealogy, the first 17 verses, from Abraham to David, um, from David to the exile and to Jesus. Joseph is in the line of David, son of David. He takes Mary as his wife. He adopts Jesus' own son. What What Joseph is doing is he's bringing Jesus into the line of the same genealogy, into the line of David. The phrase, son of David, occurs ten times in the book of Matthew. 
Every single time it refers to Jesus except this one time. Now, Jesus can be referred to as the son of David because his father, Joseph, is in the line of David. The significance of Joseph to Jesus' birth is that Joseph brings Jesus into the line of King David. It means that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the anointed one. Jesus is God's king. He is the one God has raised up from David's line to establish his kingdom forever. That's prophesied in 2 Samuel 7. Jesus is the one who will build a house for God in God's name and a throne and a kingdom that will last forever. Who knows Mary Donaldson? She was born on the 5th of February 1972 in Hobart, Tasmania. Who knows Mary Donaldson? Her mum is an executive assistant and her father was a math professor. She's a mother of a few children, Christian, Isabella, Vincent and Josephine. She's just a normal Aussie mum. Her kids are just normal Aussie kids. That is until you realise who she's married to, whose name her children have. That is, Mary is married to Frederick, the crown prince of Denmark, Count of Monsepat. Because her children are under the crown prince name, they too are royalty. Without him, they're merely commoners. Joseph is significant in Jesus' birth because he brings Jesus into the line of David, which means that he... Um, is in line with all the Old Testament promises, that he is in the king's line and Jesus is not just another commoner. Just like Mary Donaldson and how the crown prince makes Mary's children princes and princesses, so too Joseph allows us to see that Mary's child, Jesus, is God's king. God's king who, as we saw before, will save his people. God's king who is forever. God's king who is God himself in the flesh. Now, can you imagine Joseph's emotional roller coaster? I'm going to get married. What? My my fiancé's pregnant. I had nothing to do with it. I'll have to divorce her quietly. Hang on, What? She hasn't done anything wrong either. She's conceived by the Holy Spirit. What? And and her son will save people from all their sins? Hang on, hang on. He's in my Davidic line, which means he's God's king. Whoa, what an emotional roller coaster. I don't know what your emotional roller coasters are like particularly at Christmas. Holidays, yay, family, food, presents. Oh, gatherings. Oh, that uncle who's so awkward. Oh, I got the wrong gift. Oh, the stress, the traffic. Oh. It's Christmas. 
let's remember the ultimate peak from this emotional roller coaster that we really are celebrating. Not just Jesus' birthday, but something much more than that. Let's marvel, let's wonder, wonder fully that Jesus, by the Spirit, is God humbly become a human so that he might save us from our sins and be God's king forever. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your Son, Jesus, by the Spirit to save us. This Christmas, help us wonder and give thanks for what you have done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.